You're listening to the Retro Wrestling Review Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Reviews Podcast. I'm Gus Edwards. On today's bonus episode, we're going to be taking a look at SummerSlam 1994. This was requested by Frank in Edinburgh, a fellow Scotsman. Thanks for the request, Frank. I hope you enjoy the show. If you want a specific show reviewed, then please email me at retroreviews at hotmail.com. If you're new to the podcast, on a Tuesday, we review a listener-requested show. And on Sundays, we review Mid-Atlantic Wrestling. And of course, this Sunday coming, we'll also be reviewing Mid-South Wrestling from 1981. If you want to catch those shows, then please subscribe at your favourite podcast directory. Let's get on with today's show. SummerSlam 1994 from the brand new United Centre in Chicago. The irony of this show is amazing this week. I don't normally talk about modern wrestling on this show, But obviously I have to mention that CM Punk returned to wrestling for AEW in this very building on Friday night. And one of the most memorable returns in wrestling history. Also this weekend it was SummerSlam. And while the show wasn't that good, the John Cena and Roman Reigns match was excellent and told a great story. There's a lot of good wrestling out there for everyone to enjoy. Back though to 1994... And the show kicks off with the macho man Randy Savage. He's coming out and hypes the show for everyone at home. He shakes hands with Davy Boy Smith, who's in the crowd. He hands over to Vince McMahon and Jerry King Logger, who, who are the commentators tonight. While Macho Man's posing in the ring, Lawler announces that last night Shawn Michaels and Diesel defeated the Head Shrinkers for the tag team titles. We go up to the ring. And the first match is Bam Bam Bigelow and IRS representing the Million Dollar Corporation against the Headshrinkers. We just watched the Headshrinkers last week at Wrestle War 1989 when they took on the Dynamic Dude. We also seen IRS on that same same show wrestled as Mike Rotunda. The Headshrinkers come to the ring with Captain Lou Albano who's looking really slim and Alpha the Wild Simone. This was originally set to be for the tag titles, but as we found out at the start of the show, the Headshrinkers lost the titles the night before. This was a decent hard-hitting match for as long as it went, but it had a horrible finish. At one point, Samu nearly kills Bam Bam Bigelow with a backdrop, but Bigelow just managed to tuck his chin in time. Bigelow hits Albano, which gets a strange shocked noise from the crowd. It's really weird, The kind of it's like a big intake of breath. Afa runs in and he attacks Bigelow for the DQ. The Headshrinkers and Afa beat up Bam Bam after the match. And then both teams then brawl to the back. Not much for an opener of a pay-per-view. We then see a skit of Leslie Nielsen and George Kennedy. They're doing their police squad characters trying to find The Undertaker. Pool Nakano and Alundra Blaze for the Women's Championship is next. Nakano comes up with Luna Vachon. Blaze is of course Medusa, who we saw recently on one of our WCW rewatches. Nakano has one of the more unique looks in wrestling, especially the face paint and her hair, which is styled up like Don King. I'm amazed how she manages to keep that straight up. 
The carnal takes most of this match as working submission holds, you know, a Boston Crab, an armbar, and this unique bow and arrow type move. Blaze wins after Nakano misses a leg drop from the top, and then Blaze hits a German suplex. Decent match, the crowd were in that, and there was a big pop for the finish. Next up is the Intercontinental title match, with Diesel defending against Razor Ramon. Shawn Michaels is with Diesel, and NFL legend and hometown boy Walter Payton is with Razor. Razor and Peyton get a huge ovation coming out. I'm not too sure who's getting the bigger pop out with the two of them though. There's great heat for this match. Crowds into the, the whole thing. There's one cool spot that I quite liked. Um, Michaels is taking the turnbuckle pad off. And Diesel's away to whip Razor into it. But the referee spots that the pad is off. So he stands in front to stop Diesel from using it. Sean then distracts the referee and he lets Diesel use the exposed turnbuckle. It's great to see when the heels have to use some thought into their cheating, it just gets better heat that way. Both guys are working hard here. They're bumping like mad for each other. I think it always helps when people are like best friends in, in real life. It kind of helps for a match. Michaels tries to interfere with the belt, but Walter Payton stops him. The ref's direct, distracted by Payton, which lets Sean superkick Razor, who's been held by Diesel. Of course, Razor moves, and Sean hits Diesel with sweet chin music. Razor manages to get the win, and he's the new champion. Big pop for that win. This also starts off the issues between Sean and Diesel, which lead to Diesel's face turn and title win in about three months' time. This was a good match. Both guys work well together, and Shawn Michaels worked harder on outside of the ring than most people do in the ring. We go backstage and that man Todd Pentengill is there with Tatanka and Lex Luger. They have the, sto- the results of a fans poll asking if Lex Luger had stole out to the million dollar man. And it was 54% of the fans thought that he had. The storyline here is that Tatanka is claiming that Luger is now with Ted DiBiase. They go through the various clips showing Luger and DiBiase together. We then head out to the ring. And it's Tatanka and Lex Luger. Tatanka is out first and he gets some booze for him. There's actually a decent wee storyline playing off of Luger's history as of a guy who could never be trusted. Luger comes out to a mixed reaction. There's not much of a match here, it's more of an angle. Um, it's a bit back and forth, but then when Luger starts getting the advantage, Ted DiBiase comes down and he's got his bag full of cash. This distracts Luger, who's telling him to get away from ringside, and Tatanka rolls him up for the three count. After the match, Tatanka attacks Luger from behind, and he reveals it's actually him that sold out to the million dollar man. I actually like this storyline, and you know, the swerve made sense in the end. When Tatanka and DiBiase hug, they get huge heat. Tatanka continues the beat down, and he puts on the million dollar dream on, on Luger. Next up, is Jeff Jarrett against Mabel. Jarrett's doing his country music gimmick at this point and Mabel's doing the rap rap gimmick with um, Oscar. Not sure if men on a mission are still a thing or not, or if Mabel's officially a single at this point, but there's no sign of more. There's not much to this at all. Jarrett ends up going for a sunset flip on Mabel. Mabel tries to sit down and squash him, but Jarrett moves. Mabel hits the canvas and Jarrett gets a win. This was awful, but at least I kept it short. It's now time for the cage match. 
for the WWF title. It's brother versus brother, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. I actually play a really great video before the match, recapping the whole feud back to last year's Survivor Series. The video is probably 5-6 minutes long. It's really good because they're killing time here to put up the um, the cage. And then we've got Vince interviewing Stu and Helen Hart at ringside. And then Lawler speaks with Davy Boy Smith, pointing out that Brett lost to Davy at SummerSlam two years previously. They then notice that Jim Nightheart is sitting behind the family. Nan Vogue's here cheering on Owen. Bruce Hart then talks. He's always got to get involved, Bruce. And he tells Anvil not to interfere and that he's the real reason for Owen turning on the family. I'll be honest, I was never a big fan of this match. The cage restricts what they can do and I've never been keen on the escape the cage rules. I prefer it still being pinfall or submission. I think it was back in Bruno Sammartino's days when they brought in the escape in the cage. But at that time the story was that you beat your opponent down so badly that you were just able to walk out the cage. And that's a much better idea. The crowd, however, they're really into the near escapes in this match. I will give them that. They're treating every attempt as if it was a close three count. And they're working really, really hard here. It's close to 20 minutes, if not more, into the match before they do their first proper double down to get a breather. The finish comes when they're both fighting down on the outside of the cage. Owen's foot gets caught and he gets stuck upside down. This lets Brett jump down and win the match. As soon as Brett's won, while the celebration's going on, Nightheart attacks Davy Boy from behind, taking up both him and Diana with a clothesline. Nightheart and Owen get Brett back in the cage and Anvog chains the door shut. Well, he tries. He takes forever to do this. He's got to keep screaming to the Hart brothers to wait a minute as they're trying to get in before he locks the cage. Eventually, he gets it, gets it locked. And the brothers keep trying to, to climb in the cage. There's Bruce and Ross is there and Smith as well, I think. But Anvil and um, Owen knock them off. Bulldog eventually gets in the cage and that's Owen and Anvil's cue to run. While I'm not a big fan of this match, it's not a bad match. They just could have had a better one as was shown with WrestleMania 10. Main event time and it's Undertaker versus Undertaker. This could be so confusing so we'll call them Undertaker and Underfaker. Undertaker of course is Mark Calloway and Underfaker is Brian Lee who had a run after this in Smoky Mountain Wrestling and then ECW before coming back to the WWF in 1997 as Chains in the Disciples of Apocalypse. A video is played recapping, recapping this storyline. Undertaker was attacked by a dozen or so wrestlers during his casket match against Yokozuna at the Royal Rumble. The Undertaker then died I guess and ascended to heaven. After a few months off being missing, Ted DiBiase claimed he had The Undertaker under his control. And then Paul Bearer eventually brought back The Real Undertaker. And now we have this match. Ted DiBiase's Undertaker comes out first, followed by Paul Bearer. The Druids bring a casket down the ringside. The casket opens, but there's no Undertaker. Instead, it's a giant urn, which Bearer brings into the ring. Bearer opens the urn and it's a big light shining out of it. The thunder starts playing around the arena. Undertaker's entrances are campy as hell, but they're always quite awesome. Undertaker's music plays and he heads to the ring. 
the entrances are going to last longer than this match, which is probably a good thing. Brian Lee looks a good couple inches shorter than Taker. The crowd went nuts for Undertaker's entrance, but once the match starts, they go quiet. This is at the stage where Taker did the slow plodding style, and here we've got both guys doing that. There's also a couple of blown spots early on which don't help either. Even Vince makes a comment about the crowd silence. Undertaker hits Undertaker with a tombstone, which Taker no sells. Taker then counters a second tombstone into one of his own, and then hits two further tombstones to get the win. Thankfully, they kept it short. Undertaker puts Underfaker into a casket, and the druids take him away. I'm guessing to Smoky Mountain, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. This wasn't the best show. I've actually had to watch it in three sittings, which usually isn't the case. The crowd were not a lot on the show, Brett against Owen, Diesel and Razor and the Luger and Tatanka Angle. At least the bad on the show was kept short, but doing DQs and opening matches is never a good thing. If you haven't seen this show, then I don't recommend watching it. Go do something more fun for three hours, you'll, you'll appreciate that. On next week's bonus episode, we'll be looking at Saturday night's main event from May 1989. On that show, we'll have another cage match for the WWF title, as Hulk Hogan defends against the Big Boss Man. Rick Rude defends his Intercontinental title against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Demolition defend the tag team titles against the, the Brain Busters. And Randy Savage faces Jim the Anvil Nightharter. Sounds like a fun, loaded show. This Sunday coming, we'll be reviewing Mid-Atlantic Wrestling and Mid-South Wrestling from the 12th of December 1981. On Mid-Atlantic Wrestling, we'll see Sergeant Slaughter, Ricky Steamboat and Ivan Koloff amongst others. And on the first episode of Mid-South that we'll be reviewing, we'll see the Junkyard Dog, the Iron Sheik in action, along with the main event of Paul Orndorff against Ted DiBiase. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you have, then please subscribe, leave a review and tell a friend. Take care of yourself and I'll talk to you again soon.